Mm-hmm. Is the tendency to over apologize, so to speak, is that serving you too? Because we can get so stuck in those cycles that it feels like the only way we can, you know, surf that urge or sit with those emotions is to continue doing the same thing. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode of I'm Not Your Shrink. This is the first episode of 2021, and I am so glad that you are tuning in. And I want to say with gratitude, thank you so much for all of your shares, all of your comments, all of your DMs. Every time you share these episodes, it allows other people to listen in as well. Now, what better way to start 2021 than tuning into how we can show up authentically in our relationships? And that is exactly what we're doing in today's episode by talking about apologies. Apologies are not easy for people, and it is something that we struggle with and we don't often learn. So I brought in my friend and colleague, Dr. Miriam Kermeyer, to talk about this topic the good and the bad of apologizing and how important it is in our relationship. What I love about today's episode is that Miriam and I had a chance to really dig into our behaviors around apologies and we had some good aha moments around vulnerability and saying sorry. So I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think afterwards. Head over to Instagram, connect with me through DMs or leave me a review on iTunes. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Miriam Kermeyer. She is a clinical psychologist, writer, speaker, and leading friendship expert who has studied the science of friendship and social connection over a decade. What strikes me the most about Miriam is that she appears on all kinds of outlets, including written spaces, including The Atlantic. She's an expert for psychology today and women's health. And she also does television shows and podcasts, spreading information about building meaningful relationships and living fulfilling lives. She is is also a speaker and consultant where she partners with businesses and organizations, including Bumble and Snap Inc. And when she's not with clients or sharing the science of connection and compassion, she is in her private practice in Montreal, Canada, where she lives with her partner and spirited son. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to tell you guys about an important change that I made in my own routine for my skincare. And this was actually prompted by you in my community. As you might know, every Saturday I do Q&A polls where you get to ask your question to the community and people vote yes or no. And on this particular Saturday, someone asked if you, the community, uses natural deodorant. Now, this has always been something that I've been curious about. And my DMs were flooded with with recommendations, and so many of you continue to recommend Primally Pure. Now, they sent me this beautiful gift of these face masks and two different deodorants to try. And I have to tell you, I have not looked back once. I am so happy with their products. They are 100% natural and non-toxic, which is really important for me and my overall health 
and wellness. So I've fallen in love with the blue tansy deodorant and the charcoal deodorant. It's just absolutely amazing. If you're looking for more, head over to primallypure.com and in the checkout, use the promo code DrTracyD to save 10% on your order. Let's jump into all about apologizing. Miriam, you have a wealth of information to share on developing healthy friendships and relationships. And I so appreciate all that you do, writing important blog posts and making appearances, sharing your knowledge and expertise. And it has been so great getting to know you over the past year and a bit. I mean, I actually had a memory pop up on Instagram that last year at this time, we met outside downtown Ottawa. We went and had dinner and drinks. It was fantastic. So I I so appreciate you taking your time tonight. Um, you know, also acknowledging our partners for being with our babies right now, allowing us to do something that fills us up so much. So thank you for taking this time with me. Well, thank you. I, I'm always happy to chat and connect. You know that. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it really must have been about a year ago. And that was kind of the last big, certainly the last, you know, trip I took, the last, the last bit of social contact I can really, <laughs> really remember and hold on to. And uh, it's just been really nice to be able to connect both kind of on and, and off of social media with you. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Yes, such a good talk. So before we dive into apologies, can you share your three key ingredients to a healthy relationship? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I should add a bit of a, um, a caveat to this <laughs> right before I dive into it, which is that whenever I'm asked this question about relationships in general or healthy friendships, there's a bit of panic that sets in because it's not, you know, how can we reduce these very, very complex, nuanced relationships to, you know, three, four, five qualities, whatever it is partly because there are so many key pieces that go into both making and maintaining healthy relationships, but also because I do think there's a bit of variability here between the different types of relationships that you're talking about, whether it's a friendship or a partnership, a parent-child relationship, you know, a colleague at work. Um, But, you know, looking at this through my lens of friendship, I also see that there can be differences between different types of friends, that some of these characteristics or values or domains or however you want to think about it can be more or less important. So I want to just raise that because I think Mm -hmm. that for people who are listening and who maybe have heard me answer this in other interviews too, sometimes <laughs> my answer changes depending, <laughs> on, depending on, on what's showing up for me in my own life and how I'm thinking about these things. But, you know, I think if I really had to boil it down, I think there are three key pieces. So the first is this element of um, reciprocity. And what I mean by that is really kind of this mutual commitment to seeing the relationship thrive and continue. And obviously that plays out in so many different ways, but there really does need to be this shared desire to stay connected. Um, And that reciprocity gets reflected in a lot of different ways in terms of effort being put into the relationship, in terms of the amount of space that both people take up in that relationship, uh, but just really working to both feel, acknowledge, and and share that this is something that you value. So that's the first piece. The second piece is unsurprisingly vulnerability, which I know is something that you talk a lot about. Um, But it's just, it really is the key to any kind of healthy relationship and certainly to healthy communication. And again, that too can look really different. It can look like self-disclosure and sharing what's really on our mind, uh, asking for what we need and being really transparent in that sense, um, letting someone know when they've hurt us or let us down. And and, you know, in line with our discussion today, it also 
relates to taking responsibility for the things that we've done and owning our mistakes and missteps. Um, So yeah, I would say those two are important. And then certainly respect, which is again, one of those labels that gets thrown around a lot, but we don't always take the time to think about what does that actually look like in our relationships and, and how am I communicating that and how am I receiving that? But I think, you know, at the end of the day, it really is about this desire um, and willingness to see the other person for who they are and perhaps who are who they are becoming, allowing for a bit of that change um, and working to communicate that as well. It is very much an active process that I, I want to know you for who you are and I want you to feel appreciated for who you are. And so whether that's about kindness or thoughtfulness, um, an openness to that change and, and uh, yeah, I think it can just play out in many ways. So that's, those are my three today, right? <laughs> and what I love about this is how those three are really feeding into what we're talking today about the apology. I'm so glad that you brought up the topic of respect. It is one of those key characteristics of relationships that I have been talking more about with individuals and with my couples. And the idea around apologizing and taking ownership comes to this. It is, I respect our relationship more than my ego. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is such a powerful shift when we start to think of what does apologizing mean? But let's start with those cringe-worthy apologies. And I want to emphasize that for you listening, like we're both nodding our heads. Yeah. You know <laughs> it's important like, that you know that. We've done this. We've heard this. Yeah. You know, at some point we've all done this. So this is not a shaming experience that like instead let's have compassion for ourselves and for other people that we often don't learn what a really good apology looks like. So we've either done them ourselves or we've had our loved ones do them to us. And it's not, you know, I often like to give a lot of permission that it's not ill-intentioned, but rather it's just not informed or even aware. The conversation I had with my partner today was actually about that tough apology. And he said, the classic one is, I'm sorry you feel that way. And wholeheartedly, he said, he thought, and this was before, you know, several years back, I, before I gave him all of the apology education, he, he thought as a layperson and from his own perception that this was a way of acknowledging someone else's feelings. And he said, you know, I actually thought I was saying, I'm sorry you're having these feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, so you've heard that one before? Yeah. I mean, Again, that, that, you know, I'm nodding emphatically here because I've done this, I've heard this, I've received this from, you know, and certainly it, it comes up a lot in my work with clients that uh-huh. it can be hard to recognize that this is not an apology. It can certainly be difficult to receive this as an apology when you're really struggling. And it makes me actually think of some of the research that I did several years back on apologizing in our friendships, because what we were looking at were the different ways that people apologize when uh, they encounter different types of conflicts in their friendships, both, you know, how those apologies may differ depending on the situation or challenge that's coming up, but also the different types of responses and behaviors that go into that. And we developed this really extensive coding manual with all these different types of apologizing behaviors. And one of the categories, you know, our our scientific label for this was sorry, not sorry. Because what, what it's communicating is, yeah, you know, I should be saying sorry here, but, right? And so there are all different ways that we do that and all different ways that we invalidate, not just 
our partner or our friend's feelings, but invalidate our own apology that we're trying to communicate. So I'm sorry you feel that way is certainly one of them. The I'm sorry, but and so often there, what we're doing is giving an excuse for our behavior. We could talk a bit more about that later too. Maybe the difference between the explanation and an excuse. Um, They can also take on a bit of a blaming element to them. I'm sorry, but you did this to me last time. So you know, I shouldn't really feel the need to apologize here or my behavior was justified. And those really typically aren't experienced the same way as true apologies. So that's where my mind goes when you're talking about all this. Absolutely. And and just to break it down for people listening, the I'm sorry you feel that way. Yes, you're saying I'm sorry, but you're putting the difficulty on the other person and their emotions rather than a true witnessing and accepting and owning of that person's feelings and how you, your behaviors, your actions have impacted them, right? Like, and we'll go into what, what a good apology looks like, but yeah, there's that, the defensive one too. I recently shared on Instagram, the, I'm sorry, but if you had have told me what time dinner was, I would have been on home on time, right? Like it's that I'm not really sorry, but I'm just going to defend myself because I feel like you're attacking me. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com slash I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried, 
worried about commitment, enjoy a 100-night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom and instead my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using Loop Engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these Loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, go ahead. No, 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 go, continue. I was just going to say, you know, there's also the, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of how else to say this and broaden it out a little bit, but I'm sorry you can't take a joke or I'm sorry you're being too sensitive here. Oh. And I think that can be its own type of sorry, not sorry response, but it also sometimes overlaps with the, I'm sorry you feel that way because it's very easy to do exactly what you said. It's kind of like personalize it because we feel as though the the burden, the onus is being put on us, that we, we have done something um, wrong by feeling what we feel. Oh. What were some of the other categories that came up in the research? Because I can imagine kind of looking at what that would have looked like from yeah, yeah. I mean, more of a qualitative. So the the data itself was very much qualitative. I did many, many, many long interviews um, with adults and young adults asking them about difficulties that they've experienced in their friendships, and then we used those situations to uh, create short vignettes, essentially short stories about friendship challenges and presented that to another group of, of people and asked them what they would say or do in this situation. And so a lot of those situations were about, again, different types of conflicts or different types of transgressions, which are kind of like betrayals or violations of uh -huh. those core relationship qualities and characteristics that we were talking about. So, I mean, some of this will, will overlap with our discussion that we can also have right now about what a good apology is. Um, but certainly there is something to be said for saying the words, I am sorry, uh, you know, please, please accept my apology, that we really want to hear those words themselves. And then there are all the other things that we can add on or that we do to kind of... Um, change the, the the quality of the apology, but we really need to be very intentional about saying those words when we're trying to apologize. Because saying, yes, I see that you're hurt. Okay, this was my fault. The, that's helpful, but we really want to hear those words. Right. Yeah. There's so, so anyway. much 
There's so much more into that. We'll get to that in a moment, but I let's let's talk about what are some of those common missteps that we make when we're apologizing. We're already talking about the like the yes, but the sorry, not sorry. Yes. That's one of them. What what other mistakes do you see people making when they apologize to others? Yeah, it, this too can take so many different forms. Tell me if you there's a, um, a snow removal machine going on outside. Tell me if you hear it really loudly. A snow yeah, <laughs> thank you. It's no flap. Um, yeah, they're they're very present this time of year. So anyway, you know, coming back to this question of what are some of the common mistakes or missteps that we sometimes do when we're trying to apologize, I really see this. Uh, blaming the other person, right, or or shifting the responsibility onto somebody else as being very core here. Um, but there's also minimizing the impact, right, which is, okay, yes, I did this, but it's really not big of a deal. And perhaps that kind of relates to what we were just talking about before of you can't take a joke, Um but that ends up being extremely invalidating as well. And I think the, the big piece is really the taking responsibility. And, and when we fail to do that, when we fail to say, this is my fault, I've done something wrong here. What I did was not okay. That type of message really does need to be conveyed in, in some type of way. And obviously, again, the way we do that will differ depending on the situation. Sure. You've touched on something really important there, though, is that what we end up doing with these missteps that you know so many of us make is we end up invalidating the other person. We're, we're, it's like we're saying that their experience doesn't matter, that we don't see their experience or their, um, you know, it, it's not important in some way. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I think that really is the the key experience that that we often feel when we're on the receiving end of those types of apologies. There are two other interesting things that maybe, you know, I was hoping to get your take on. One is this experience of over-apologizing, because we tend to think about apologizing um, and the difficulties that go into that as, you know, not sharing an effective or appropriate apology. But I also see the opposite, you know, the flip side of that. When people, whether it's friends or partners or whoever, are over-apologizing and keep coming back to this, you know, it can feel a bit ruminative or, or a bit like perseveration, but it ends up, again, making this situation experience much more about the other person's feelings than it does about, you know, much more about the apologizer's feelings than it does about the apologizee's feelings. Yeah. Um, and then the person who's been hurt is often tasked with reassuring the other person, oh, don't worry, it's not yeah. a big deal. Right. And and that can also feel invalidating. Um, so that was one thing I thought, you know, I'd love to hear oh, your take on. Yeah, absolutely. That it's funny, my partner and I were just having this discussion and kind of what are there gender differences, which I, I want to hear your take on. And what what we had said, what what he said quickly was, and with his permission to share this, is that he said, I apologize more in our relationship. And he goes, Not not to say that you're mean and you never apologize, your apologies are very intentional. But he says, I often apologize because I'm feeling insecure and I'm trying to, to rebuild and connect. Yeah. And, and sometimes what happens though, is that it's not, it's not really about my feelings. It's about his feelings to, to repair and feel better. And so what happens then is the person on the receiving end of that doesn't feel seen for what's happening. They don't feel understood and they're left to really question, does this person understand me? Does this person understand the impact it's had on me? And how are we going to change this moving forward? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even we've got the joke about Canadians being so apologetic and mm -hmm. 
kind of piece, but it is important in general of acknowledging how much do we over apologize to as a way to not have to sit with uncomfortable feelings. Yes. yes. And I think that is so important that for so many of us, we don't like feeling anxious. We don't like feeling this sense of, did I do something wrong? Or is the other person upset with me? Mm-hmm. And it comes up a lot in relationships, particularly romantic relationships. I was just recently talking on my community about sharing emotions. And people said, I don't want to share emotions because then my partner gets upset. And again, it's this idea of how can we sit with uncomfortable feelings that first we can't control what the other person thinks or feels. And also it's okay to feel uncomfortable that this is part of the human experience of being uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew you'd have something really, really wise to say here. I appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> oh, thank yeah. you. We, we had, um, a social distance back in the fall outdoors with my associates here at integrated wellness. And we had this beautiful conversation about what, what has been one of the key coping skills that we've had during this pandemic, And it really came out about this idea of just sitting in uncomfortable. And every day we're uncomfortable about what's going on in the world. We're uncomfortable about what's happening. Kind of the idea of instead of over-apologizing, sit with uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this urge surfing where you have the urge to fix. You have the urge to apologize. That can you tune in with yourself and ask yourself, is this really what's needed right here? Or can I surf this urge, right? And if you're surfing, you know that the wave is going to reach a peak and then you're going to ride into the beach and and it changes. And if you can just have enough time to let yourself do that. Yes. And that question of, is this really needed here, I think is so key. And it goes both ways, right? Is this really needed? Is this really helpful in terms of, is the person I'm trying to apologize to going to find this meaningful or comforting or necessary? But also, you know, if I'm going to that space of reassurance seeking, is this person mad at me? Have I done something wrong? Uh Is the tendency to over apologize, so to speak, is that serving you too? Because we can get so stuck in those cycles that it feels like the only way we can you know, surf that urge or sit with those emotions is to continue doing the same thing. And the more we do it, the more difficult it becomes to step outside of that. And so I think that question of, is this helpful goes both ways. And the, to push that a little bit further, it also, when we say sorry, and it may not be warranted that we are, or it's too soon or whatever it might be. Yes. We are also then uh, inherently saying to ourselves that somehow we've done something wrong. And I remember in my supervised practice year, so as psychologists, we have to do a year of supervised practice before we go towards, you know, we do two exams, we do our orals in front of the board, the college. And I I can remember I had a client call and they needed an appointment. And I said, I was telling my supervisor, supervisor what happened. And I had said, you know, I told her story, I can't see you. And my supervisor right away was like, hang on, why did you say sorry? (laughs) And I, I, well, what do you mean? Why, why wouldn't I say sorry? I, I couldn't see her. And she asked, are you sorry? And what are you saying about yourself and your boundaries? And then what are you teaching the other person? And what was really important there was that she taught me to say, unfortunately, hmm. unfortunately, I'm not able to see you because you call on a last minute. I have a booked calendar. Then I can't see you. But am I sorry about that happening where it's unfortunate, but that it's it's this idea that I didn't do anything wrong, 
that I didn't need to apologize. And I know some people might really struggle with that. Absolutely. And when we, we you know, when we, when we go through life apologizing for certain things that we really don't need to be apologizing for, we're sending a message again, both to other people and to ourselves about, uh, about our worth even on some level. Right. So uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that experience because I think that, that it's so important to consider the other side of that too, right? It's not just how do we apologize, um, but also when we should maybe not be apologizing and all the things we don't need to be apologizing for. Absolutely. Why, why is apologizing so hard? You know, yeah. people really get tripped up on this one and they struggle with it. What, what are some of the things that get in the way? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you know, you said something at the beginning of our conversation, which was so true, which is that we're not taught how to do this. And relationship skills are skills, right? They are things that we can learn, that on some level we need to be taught and encouraged to do. Um, and I, I do wish there was a bit more of a conversation early on, you know, early on in our lives and early on in our relationships about how we can do this in meaningful, effective ways. Um, I also think coming back to our conversation about apologizing and how that can be, um, you know, because we're, 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 we're not great at sitting in vulnerability ourselves and we kind of want to fix situations and other people's feelings that there's a bit of overlap there too, where we could do a lot more to um, help ourselves and each other be able to tolerate that kind of uncertainty and vulnerability and distress. So I see all of that as being very much related, but you know, there are, there are different reasons why we don't apologize, even when we might have those skills. And the first reason is sometimes we generally don't think that the situation requires an apology. And this is actually where some of those interesting gender differences come in that men and women do differ uh, with respect to apologizing behavior. Women are more likely to apologize than men, but that difference has really been attributed to women seeing situations as as, uh, necessitating an apology, whereas men don't. So when they do think that this situation requires an apology or that that's appropriate, they will do it and they will do it you know, with, with a similar frequency. Um, but that that's one reason why sometimes we might not be getting the apologies we feel we really deserve because our partner or our friend or whoever we're interacting with just doesn't actually think that that situation requires an apology. Um, so that's one reason. You know, I also think we were talking about this, but that level of vulnerability is so key here that acknowledging I've done something wrong. I've hurt this person that I care about uh, can be very, very uncomfortable. And there are a lot of beliefs that get wrapped up in that as well and that contribute to it, right? Like if I apologize, I'm, I'm going to look weak. I'm going to appear vulnerable. And that can be very scary. Um, the belief that an apology will be ineffective even, well, yeah, maybe I should apologize here, but it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change our conflict in our relationship. It's not going to change how they perceive me. And so it's just not worth it. It's not worth tolerating those feelings of vulnerability for. Um, And, you know, I also hear sometimes there's the fear that this will be used against us, right? If I, if I admit to my mistakes and missteps, then that's, that, yeah, that will be used against me in, in some way in this relationship. So there are lots of different reasons. And I'm curious to hear your perspective here too, is some of those threads that you hear in your work. It, 
And around that with the the feeling it's used against me, that can also then go into more communication skills, right? So that yes. when your partner then says, well, you apologize for this and throw something in your face and you admitted that you did wrong, then that's where our boundaries come into place, where how important it is that when we are talking about situation A and your partner then starts to throw in B, C, D and all the other times, how key it is for us to say, hang on. We're talking about this. If that other stuff is not resolved, let's come back to it. But today I shared with you this part and I really need us to focus and work through this one piece here, right? Like that, yeah. that's where we want to learn how to not, oh, and gosh, that's so hard, right? Because you just get spiraled so quickly with our heat of emotions that come over us. But we want to learn to stay with one topic, one issue at hand. Otherwise, the like, you know, the whole kitchen sink gets thrown out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I So I'm the more blaming partner of our relationship cycle, um, which is interesting because in my friendships, I actually tend to be more of the withdrawn partner. So I actually tend to keep my feelings to myself in friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my relationship, I, I have to say, learning to come back and say, I'm sorry I yelled. I'm sorry I got critical there was a really big growing point for myself. And it really changed what happened in our relationship. And that, I think being able to to own that we have a role in there is important. And to acknowledge that that doesn't mean that you're wrong or that you're bad. And I think shame really comes up there. I, I, I don't, I'd have to connect to that a little bit more, but in some ways, like shame's a common one, right? Like, I don't know if that was something I experienced, but if we think of kids and when we tell them, to say sorry because they just hit their sibling, there there can be a shame response there of like, oh, I'm bad. I, I did that. I should know better. When, you know, the, the idea rather is that we all make mistakes mm-hmm. and that saying sorry doesn't mean you're a bad person. But again, it means that you value the other person and your relationship. So when I get into that critical space, I've learned much quicker now to repair and to come back and say, hey, I'm sorry. I raised my voice there. I'm really working on that, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that I think is so important. Um, goodness, what else gets in the way there? I think that people just get really stuck on what is right or wrong when it comes to apologizing and the yeah. ego starts to show up. And if I'm apologizing, what does it mean about me? And actually, it doesn't mean anything. It just means that you want and, you know, kind of going back to what you said, the reciprocity in yeah. a relationship and how important that is. Yeah, yeah. What it, what it means is that you value this connection and that you're working to maintain a healthy relationship and that that's something you value. It's, it's not about whether you are right or wrong or whether your feelings are justified or not, or whether you're, you know, a good person or, or a bad person or partner or friend. Um, but it's so easy to go to that place. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what, what's that good apology? What are those key ingredients that we want to make sure we have when we're having that apology with someone that we care about? Yeah. So thinking here about, again, some of the research that I've done in this area and my work with clients and, (laughs) you know, myself in terms of what I want to hear and what I struggle with, I think there are different pieces here. The first, like we spoke about was this idea of saying the words of saying, I am sorry. And saying that, you know, conveying your sincerity with your tone less so with 
words sometimes, you know, we can, we, we can go to that place again where we're saying, I, I genuinely apologize, right? I sincerely am sorry here. And sometimes hearing that can be triggering in and of itself because we shouldn't need to Are label you? it. Right. <laughs> right. right. Really yeah. sorry. <laughs> right. Like, it was, you know, and somebody says like, I'm telling the truth here. Like if you're telling the truth, you shouldn't necessarily need to hide behind that. People have different opinions about that, but it really is about conveying that sincerity through your tone. And then again, there are other things that we can add on there that we often need to hear. And this is where that situational specificity comes in, that depending on the circumstances, some of these extras may be more or less important. So, you know, certainly there, there can be um, value in acknowledging I'm sorry. And this wasn't okay that I did this, that, that this wasn't right, that this wasn't how I wanted to handle the situation. This, you know, I, I know, I I know this must not feel good for you that that can be very validating as well. Um, So acknowledging the feeling of the other person of saying, I I imagine this didn't feel good for you. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not, I'm sorry you feel that way, right? It's, I'm sorry I did this and I understand why you feel that way. I understand why you're hurt here. That is the big distinction. And the, I did this piece, right? The taking responsibility is so key and so hard to do. Um, And then sometimes what we also really want to hear if possible, and here again is where it might differ depending on the situation or relationship even, but I'm not going to do that again. I'm, I, I, I will work really hard to not do this again because I know that this is really hurtful and I know that this is at odds with the kind of relationship or partnership that we want to have together. Um, and along with that goes this whole idea of, of making amends or reparations, right? Uh-huh. Here's how I'm going to make it up to you. Uh, here's how I'm going to work to to repair our relationship or to try and do things differently moving forward. That that too can be really, really important. I often remind people that if you are having a hard time taking ownership, find a small piece that you can take ownership over, right? That it doesn't have to be the whole big thing, but maybe there is something small within that. Um, but okay, so I, I really like that. So being able to say, I'm sorry, that is so important for us to hear. Validation and validation. I always love the recipe of you plus verb plus description. You feel hurt. You wished for more time together, right? Like we can validate what it is that we see. And when I was actually teaching this, I, when I teach it to my couple sometimes as well, but um, when I was teaching it to my partner, he would say to me, so you literally just want me to say back to you, you're sad. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, just <laughs> say back to me. I see you're sad. <laughs> because Sometimes it's it can be that simple. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, let's not make validation bigger, right? Yeah. It is the, I'm seeing and I'm witnessing what it is that you're experiencing. And then talking about that future piece, which is so key because that is saying, I'm, I'm, in this relationship with you, I'm connecting with you, you matter to me, and I want us to continue to grow together. And when I think of couples particularly, I often think of the branches of our trees growing together and how we have to consciously make those decisions over time to keep walking along the same road, growing together, supporting each other and showing up. 
Yeah, it's interesting, you know, thinking about it from a couple's perspective. And again, this comes up in friendships that, as you know, the the conflicts that come up, the arguments that we have tend to get repeated, right? And so that's, right? I mean, again, thinking about this from a personal standpoint, I can list off a few, few repeated discussions in our household. But yeah, I mean, focusing on not just the validation piece and not just the taking responsibility, but how can we work together to try and to try and try something different here, to try and um, work through this in a different way and and acknowledging what it is you are willing to try or to do can be very helpful for changing our patterns and those, you know, arguments and conversations that we reflexively fall into. Uh, This morning, I I want those who are listening to really hear this this morning, I had this conversation uh, about repeating disagreements in our relationships and that when you choose your partner, you choose a set of disagreements that you will continue (laughs) to have and work through over and over and over again. And it might be, they're just there. They're perpetual problems. It doesn't mean your relationship's not healthy, right? But we think we have them in all of our relationships, whether it's with a parent, a friend, um, your partner, they're just part of being two humans. Um, a common question that I get from people is around wondering what to do if they believe that they are not wrong and that something has happened, you know, perhaps, we, you know, we know we have our own thoughts and feelings, our own desires and our own perceptions and experiences of the same event. And I always say that there are three experiences, yours, mine, and what really happened, and I can think even between you know, friends and lovers that we may not mean to say something that was hurtful to their person, or perhaps that's not what our intention was behind that. So the question I got from a follower was, should we apologize if we don't think we are wrong? I thought this was a really good question. Yeah. I mean, this is a great question. And, you know, part of me just wants to hear what you have to say about this, because I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, here's here's where my mind goes. I think that, again, coming back to that idea of vulnerability, I would imagine that that vulnerability piece is even more present when we feel like we, or when we believe that we haven't done something uh-huh. wrong here. Uh-huh. That when we really know that we've messed up in some way, as hard as it is to apologize, we kind of know that's that's what's got to happen here, right? Like this is this is my own shit. I need to I need to do something about this. But when we're in that headspace of I actually don't think I've done something wrong here. I really think my behavior is justified. That it's very hard to step outside of that story of needing to be right um, and instead choosing to focus on your desire to connect and your desire to make the other person feel safe and appreciated and chosen. Really. Uh-huh. I like to go to the, the self and other context of who am I? What's my experience here? And how am I reacting to this information? And then also what's the other person experiencing in this situation? And that again, truly what I said at the beginning is taking ownership of something, some small piece there, not in a way of the sorry, not sorry, or the yes, but the sorry, but, but in a way of acknowledging that this other person is important to you and that they matter to you, and that somehow they have these feelings that you can apologize for that peace, that they feel hurt, mm-hmm. and and asking them, and maybe even this is a chance to get curious, right? So here's my perspective. Um, you know, here's my intention. I want to share with you what I meant here and what was happening for me, and now I want to hear what was happening for you. And being curious about that, can you help me understand what happened? And that curiosity 
again, feeds into the reciprocity that you talked about at the beginning and helps us to deepen a relationship. So again, not about being right or wrong, but rather what, what am I deepening here? And I, I would wonder if, you know, is there something in, in a relationship where, um, there is a feeling like you have to apologize, but you're not wrong. Like what, is there a dynamic that's happening with the other person? Uh, are they leading you to feel like you are doing something wrong? You know, yes. I start to kind of think of other words like manipulation where they tell you, you know, you're wrong. You shouldn't have done that. Are, are you in line or aligned rather with your own truth and knowing that you didn't do anything wrong? And then mm-hmm what's this dynamic in the relationship? Is it a healthy one or is there something else that's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. That's such an important point. I think it it really speaks to the, the role of relationship history, right? How often is this coming up? How often are you made to feel that way? Um, Perhaps by someone else or by the messages that we send ourselves. Um, And when it becomes a repeated pattern, that's when I think it can be especially helpful to take a step back and say, what else is going on here? Is it just about the vulnerability in that moment? Or is there some type of relational dynamic piece that's contributing to that experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's switch the position. What Mm -hmm. can we do if we feel wronged and our significant other, whether it's a friend um, or your partner doesn't apologize and they never apologize um, and they don't, they don't say sorry. Like what, what do we yeah. do? Yeah. I mean, this can be incredibly hurtful, right? And it, I think you touched on that idea of curiosity, which can be so disarming and so helpful when having these difficult or emotionally charged conversations, right? So you we can have conversations about our communication, right? Um, and in fact, I encourage people to do that across all of our relationships. But I think Starting a conversation by saying, I've, I've noticed or, you know, I'm feeling like I could really use an apology here or I'm, I'm feeling like this is a pattern that's going on and inviting that collaboration, inviting that participation. What do you think? Have you noticed this? Uh-huh. You know, I'm wondering, is it hard for you to apologize? You know, if so, tell me more about that. I want to understand what that's like for you, that that can be a really helpful place to start. Um so actually not starting at the apology. You're not saying, I de- I'm demanding the apology, but saying, hey, it's been hard for you to apologize. Like, help me understand what does apologizing mean for you? What did you learn about it growing up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that would be my advice here because I think, look, when we if we, if we approach our partner or our friend and say like, oh, I deserve an apology. Like, you need to apologize to me now. First of all, rarely, um, you know, will that happen? <laughs> and also you're, you're, if it does, offensive, right? yeah, of course, of course. Your back gets up and it's, it's an attack, right? You yeah. apologize, right? Yeah. I, well, I haven't done anything wrong here. I'm not apologizing for that. What are you coming at me for? Right. Oh. But even if they were to give us an apology under those circumstances, even if we said, you know, I really need an apology and they turned around and said, okay, I'm sorry. Right. That's not going to f- give us the same sense of connectedness and trust and safety that we're really looking for. So that's why I think having a conversation about the dynamic and what's going on there will ultimately you know, hopefully in the long term, result in some changes where you're able to receive the apology that you feel you really need, but also just contribute to that felt sense of safety mm-hmm. and connection that, that we all are looking for. Um, I, I also think there's a role here for modeling, right? And it's very easy to go to that headspace of, well, I always do this, right? I always apologize. I'm always the one to apologize and you never are. Um, but sometimes that's a story 
too, right? Sometimes we are overestimating how often we're the one to apologize or take responsibility or be vulnerable in that way. And we're um, underestimating or overlooking the moments when our partner or friend is doing that too. So taking a closer look at that story and really working to focus on what you can control, which is your own behavior, obviously. So modeling the kind of apology that you would really want to get. And the more you can do that, again, in healthy working relationships where both people are committed, oftentimes our partners or friends will respond in kind. I'm always really, I always like to nudge my clients when I hear them say, my partner never does this, or Mm -hmm. I'm always the one to do this. And I'm always kind of gently like, yeah, tell me about always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. What, what evidence do you have that you have always, because that, that is sometimes a sometimes it could be true, but you know, it, it is one of those unhelpful thought patterns that we get into and that we know then that we will start to, well, we could like all of the, uh, you know, the, the unhelpful thinking patterns, we could personalize our partner's behaviors. We start to filter so that we don't see apologies. We only Mm -hmm. see the times they don't apologize or even the cognitive bias. I love to talk about that one where you believe that your partner never apologizes. So you actually look out that information, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. confirm the bias that we have. And I really love what you said there, how important it is that when we are looking at changing what's happening in relationships and showing up authentically with vulnerability, that we have to start by looking at ourselves and what we're willing to try differently. And I say this to the people I work with all the time. It's also the basis of why I created my online program, Be Connected. It's that you can start to change. And when you do over time, other people around you change. Sometimes they don't like that, right? I mean, I'm thinking of friendships, how sometimes when one person changes, it feels very uncomfortable for the other one. Yeah. And also in our partnership, but we can change for ourselves so that it feels good for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you saying that makes me think of a third thing that we can do in this situation, which really is about validating ourselves and our own feelings that so often that's what we're looking for from somebody else. And it's fair and valid to want to feel validated by our partners and by our friends. But if we can validate our own feelings, um, you know, I have a right to be upset about this. Mm my feelings make sense. It's okay that I really am looking for an apology Uh here. Um, That that can make those types of experiences and also conversations a little bit easier to tolerate um, because we don't feel like we are entirely dependent on somebody else to confirm what we are looking for or what we want to believe. Yes. That leads me to a really important question. And that is, do we need to have an apology in order to experience forgiveness? Oh my goodness. I mean, it's such a big question. It's a big question. So there, there, there is some research here that yes, you know, receiving an apology, uh, a heartfelt, meaningful, authentic, genuine apology does translate into forgiveness. And there are a number of, of, benefits to the experience of forgiveness, not just in terms of being able to maintain and preserve the relationship, but actually from a mental and physical health standpoint, that that is an experience that is so, so, so helpful and beneficial and sometimes necessary in our relationships and lives. So on the one hand, a part of me wants to say yes here, right? That uh, that exchanging healthy apologies is the foundation to forgiveness. And yet, 
we are not always going to receive the apologies that we feel we deserve. Um, and we need to find ways to perhaps forgive, perhaps cope, perhaps sit with, right? Um, but that that too is kind of a separate but equally important strategy or skill, however you want to think about it. Yes. It's such a hard one, eh? That, I mean, ultimately we can't control what the other person does or chooses to do or not do. And so then we have to look within ourselves and ask ourselves, what do I really need in this? Is this going to, is this going to work for me to continue to hold on to this? You know, I'm, I'm also thinking, you know, I think one of the biggest things that would come up here is say couples who've ended up separating and one partner hasn't taken ownership or even the parent child relationship where say a parent can't acknowledge some things that have happened. So do do we need that apology for forgiveness? It's a really interesting one. You know, just kind of thinking of a last question here, and we had touched on it earlier about over-apologizing, how it's a reassurance seeking, but I'm almost thinking about um, just the things that we don't need to apologize for. Mm -hmm. Like if you were to just do like a free association right now, what what are the things we don't need to apologize for? Yeah, definitely don't need to apologize for our feelings, right? We are entitled to feel whatever we feel. um, And yet our feelings are often invalidated both by others, but largely by ourselves most of the time. I shouldn't be feeling that. That's not okay. That's not a safe feeling. That's not a good feeling, right? Um, so that is, I think the biggest one, (laughs) certainly setting boundaries is another one that comes to mind that, and I see this, especially in, in, well, I shouldn't say especially in friendships. I think it comes up in all of our relationships, but I do see it in the context of friendship therapy that we feel like setting a boundary, um, whether that's saying I need this right now, or I am not willing to go there, do that. Right. Um, we, we tend to think of that as something that is wrong, that we're doing something wrong, or that it's a sign that something's wrong in our relationship. And that's, I think, where a lot of the apologizing tends to come from. Oh, this is, this is bad that I'm doing this. This is something I shouldn't be doing or shouldn't be asking for. Um, and so I think that if we can kind of tackle that belief um, top down, right, that setting uh-huh. boundaries is uh, necessary to healthy relationships and to living a healthy place, Mm-hmm. then the need to apologize won't be as present. I always have this knee-jerk reaction when I, you know, say I reach out to a friend and say, hey, would you like to get together? And they say, oh, I'm sorry, but I'm, you know, already made plans. And inside my head, I'm like, why are you sorry? What's the sorry for? You don't need to apologize to me. I asked you, you have other things going on. Let's move on. Don't waste your sorry on me. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. That, 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 that's... That's the boundaries. That's you have your own feelings and needs. You have your own experiences. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I take that even one step further with our, the culture of connecting with people right now around text messaging, um, how often we might say, oh, sorry, I didn't text you back. What are you sorry for? You know, that no text means, uh, yeah, and I can argue that both ways, but that no text in some ways means you had other things going on that, you're making me think of something here. So I'm, you, you might hear me writing a note because you know <laughs> we're talking about apologizing as necessitating a huge amount of vulnerability, which it does. There's no doubt about it. But I also am wondering as we're talking whether sometimes it's actually being used to escape vulnerability because yeah. sometimes what we really want to say, you know, when we're apologizing is to express 
our feelings, our desire to be connected, you know, the reasons why we're reaching out. And that can be much harder to do sometimes than just, I shouldn't say hiding behind, but then, you know, having those prepared um, reflexive reactions or responses, especially through text message. So that's, you know, that's Mm. one other thing to keep in mind. When is it actually coming from a place of vulnerability? And when is it just coming from, um, you know, a place of wanting to escape feelings of vulnerability or wanting to communicate how much you value and appreciate somebody. Right. Can you give me an example of that? So, you know, I, I was something about the example that you just said made me think of that. I mean, let me think about this a little bit more. So I think there are different ways that this happens, right? Certainly the, um, we use, we use I'm sorry as a, as a expression of empathy sometimes, right? Yes, yes. When, Yes. Okay. That's not, there's nothing necessarily inherently inappropriate about that, but sometimes that happened to you. Yeah, exactly. I'm so sorry to hear you had a bad day. Exactly. When, yes, it's not that there's anything wrong with doing that, but if we can be a bit more specific, right. And really touch on, wow, like this, this must've been a really hard day. And I want you to let you, let you know that I'm thinking about you and, you know, I'm here to listen. If you need to talk about this more, if we can kind of go to that space and step away from just that, Oh, I'm sorry. That sounds really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, that can actually be much more helpful, but also require a bit more vulnerability or, you know, sometimes we also, we kind of, um, how can I put this? We, we, our attempts at being assertive even um, in apologies, right? I'm sorry, but I really need to bring this up to you. I'm sorry, but I really need to share what's on my mind. I'm sorry, but I really didn't like that. And that too is a a bit of a a step away from vulnerability, right? We're saying like- Protection. It's exactly. It's about protecting ourselves, protecting our feelings. um, And that's another one of those things that we don't need, you know, we don't need to be apologizing, there. Because it, it's that message of there's something wrong here, or yeah. that I have a feeling that's wrong, or what I'm about to do is wrong. Yeah, or that you might perceive what I'm about to do or say is wrong. And I want to preempt whatever reaction you might have by apologizing um, first. I, I, I feel like we're having this major aha moment here. <laughs> I, I've often had this reaction to when other people say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't respond back to you. I'm sorry, I can't see you. Or I'm sorry that happened. And I couldn't figure out what that was. Like, what, what is it? I know my, my loved ones aren't dismissing me. Dismissing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I wonder what that was. And I feel like you've hit on something really key here about that kind of uh, hiding that vulnerability or that even willingness to kind of be in your experience with you. And sometimes we have to choose that and that's okay. That we we choose, we get to choose how vulnerable we are with people. And some friends, you may choose not to do that. But then I guess the question is, but what relationship are you willing to do that in to create Mm -hmm. that healthy bond where it is the reciprocity? vulnerability and respect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Miriam, thank you so much for our conversation tonight. I, you know, we're here in the evening. Our kids are out of our hands. We We have our tea in hand. We have our tea and our comfy clothes. I'm, I'm so thankful that we just got to have this important conversation and really do justice to this piece. Yeah. Well, that's what I always love about your podcast, right? Is, is you really tackle these topics with such, um, such wisdom, um, but such depth too. So thank you for having me. It's always great to connect and talk. Where can people find you? 
People can find me uh, in several different places. Right now, I'm most present in my Instagram community, which is at Miriam Kermeyer. Um, and I also have a newsletter that I send out here and there with some guidance on friendships and some of the different articles and interviews that I've done on that topic. And so actually, if you're looking for more kind of specific um, takeaways or, you know, guidance here, I would recommend going to my website, which is miriamkermeyer.com. And I have links to a lot of the articles that I've written for Psychology Today or CBC or lots of different things um, and interviews. There so well. many great pieces. <laughs> I got <laughs> lost reading through all of them one day. And I'm dying to know because it was in your email list at one point. What, yeah. what book is on your nightstand? <gasps> what book is on my nightstand right now? So, well, I just ordered two new books, actually. One is Fair Play, um, which, yeah, so I'm very much looking forward to that arriving. And I also just um, ordered The Art of Gathering from Ooh. Priya Parker, which I'm really looking forward to as oh, well. Oh, yes. It's all about creating kind of intentional gatherings and opportunities for connection. So right up my Oh, alley. my goodness. That, that sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, Miriam. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. Until next time, take good care of you and remember you are right where you need to be. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.